The Brief is produced by Holland and Hart and offers legal commentary for more than 500 Holland and Hart attorneys on entrepreneurship, emerging companies, healthcare, employment, and more. Holland and Hart is one of the largest law firms in the nation and offers integrated legal solutions to regional, national, and international clients. Holland and Hart's attorneys have consistently been recognized for innovation and dedication to the practice of law. For more information, visit hollandhart.com. And now, here's the brief. Welcome to The Brief, our marketing edition. Um, Today, Paul Ward, my co-host and I, Abby Whitaker here, and we're going to talk with you guys about LinkedIn and social media. I'd like to take a second to introduce the amazing and the fabulous Mr. (laughs) Ward. Um, Let me give you a little bit of background about him. Paul has worked with lawyers all over the world, helping them with strategy um, and execution. He's actually one of the founders of Law.com, which is pretty darn impressive, the premier news site for lawyers. He's ran a technology incubator that started and spun out six different software companies. He's quite the expert on social media, considering he was once the Twitter voice of a Silicon Valley CEO. And now... Now he runs client services for the 500 lawyer. That is a lot of lawyers to manage there. Law firm Holland and Hart, which is one of the biggest law firms um, in the country. So I'm super excited to be here with Paul today. Well, it's great to be here with you, Abby, and um, and that's what you do in PR, right? You make people sound better than they are. Oh, stop <laughs> it. So I don't have to do that for you. I can just uh, tell everybody straight up. So Abby Whitaker is a co-founder of the Abby Agency, uh, which is one of the leading agencies in New York, and she operates social media, PR, and content marketing firm and uh, office in Reno, Las Vegas, and New York. And the other thing that she does, which is really, really important and impressive, she helps startups develop their go-to-market strategy through PR-driven campaigns and has worked with a lot of startups across the country. Um, And she writes for Entrepreneur Magazine and for Forbes Magazine. She's also uh, an elite member of the Forbes Agency Council, which is pretty much invite-only and is for the top-level agencies around the world to talk about how to do digital strategy, how to execute, how to go to market, whether you're a startup or an emerging company. And she's also, this is my favorite, owner of the world's largest canned beer festival because everybody (laughs) needs a little love and fun in their life. We do, right? Everyone needs a little canned beer after a day, you know, (laughs) working in front of those judges and writing out those briefs. So today, uh, we're going to talk about how to use LinkedIn effectively as a lawyer and how to use Facebook and Twitter. And I just want to start off by saying, you know, if you're a lawyer these days, if you're a professional these days, you have to be on LinkedIn. You absolutely have to have a presence. There's 300 million people on LinkedIn. And this is basically, um, Abby, you can chime in on this, but this is basically the professional's uh, social media. This is the point. Yeah, this is where you build your online persona. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the steps uh, to make your online persona better, but... uh Abby, what do you think uh, about Facebook and Twitter? Yeah, so, you know, I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. I think that everybody needs to have a professional bio on LinkedIn. Um, But I also think that professionals should not ignore Facebook, Twitter, and also Instagram. Um, But I think that those things are used for different types of messages. So I hope to get into a little bit today um, what type of messages we should put on Facebook, what type of messages we should put on Twitter, determining who the audiences are and what they're really looking for when they're on those platforms. People are not looking... for information to be pushed out to them on Facebook, but they're looking to engage more in conversation on Twitter. So today we'll go over some different tips on how lawyers can really use those 
two platforms correctly with the right tone and the right message so that they're talking to people and with people, not just kind of yelling at people over social. Well, let's let's start with you because you've got a lot. You've got such high energy, and I love listening to you. So let's uh, let's start with Twitter. Awesome. So um, I run into a lot of lawyers who are like, uh, think it's a, sort of a silly little bird, and you know, it's maybe what teenagers do. But um, you work with a lot of journalists, for example. And they absolutely go to Twitter to find sources and stuff like that. Can you say more about how a professional, like a lawyer, other view Twitter and how they can use it? That's a great point about the journalists. Um, and not just journalists, but um, a lot of people in the professional world really look to Twitter as a place where they can engage in conversations and have a back and forth dialogue, which you can't do on LinkedIn or Facebook because it's more where you post accomplishments, news articles, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that Twitter is a place where you can really build your kind of instant professional persona. And you can have those engaging dialogues, those one-to-one dialogues with influencers, with journalists, with potential clients, and with stakeholders. And when journalists are looking for people to interview, they oftentimes go and search different hashtags on Twitter, whether that's a hashtag legal chat or hashtag marketing chat. They're going to look and they're going to find people that have an authoritative, a well-versed, a well-educated, and a professional voice on that network. The thing I love about Twitter um, is that you're able to create separate lists on there. So you can create lists of different influencers, lists of different verticals, lists of different people you want to talk to. You can pull up that list and you can see what that group is specifically saying and jump in on those conversations. You're able to build your credibility on there. You're able to share and engage with news articles and influencers. And you're able to grow a base of professional advocates on there. So I definitely think that lawyers need to look at Twitter and think about how they can create a good engagement strategy on that platform. That's awesome. And a lot of times there's a, there's a question of, uh, you know, to blog or not to blog. And uh, there's just always, there's not always enough time to really do substantive blogging. Oh, yeah. It's so hard, that, right? They're not billable. They're not billable hours. So exactly. everyone's like, it's not billable. I don't know if I want to do that. So Twitter's 140 characters and it gives you a chance to to reshare some important articles out there, right? That, that you want to kind of get out there. But also a chance to have an opinion in a small amount of characters, which equals a small amount of time, which leaves more time for those billable hours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what's great about Twitter. Yeah, it's a, it's a little micro-blogging platform. So I'm going to uh, say a couple things about LinkedIn, uh, but I would be interested in your view. You've hired counsel. Uh, you've worked with a lot of lawyers outside of Holland and Hart. Um, what do you, when you go to LinkedIn to look up a lawyer, whether to recommend them to one of your startup clients or one of your other business um, uh, contacts, yeah. either in Nevada or New York or wherever, what are you looking for? So that is, LinkedIn is the first place that the founders and the CEOs of the startup companies that I work with go to, to look for consultants and professional services. Because they're so busy and they've got so many things on their plates, they're wearing so many hats usually as they're starting these companies. Um, they look to those professional sites such as LinkedIn to help guide them. So when they go, um, the things I can, the things that they're looking for are companies that, that you've worked with in a similar space. So I suggest when you're building your LinkedIn profile, as an attorney, 
if you're able to talk about some of those companies that you've represented or you have case studies, share those under the article site of LinkedIn because that's going to give potential CEOs of some of these emerging companies and other brands an opportunity to see the experience that you have because they're busy, they're crazy, and you have their attention for maybe five minutes. So I think it's always good to share whatever relevant experience to your practice area that you have on LinkedIn because that's going to give them a quick 300 kind of and 60 degree overview snapshot and help them make a decision. I also think, Paul, that recommendations are important on LinkedIn. Um, if you can get companies that you've serviced, CEOs, um, people that have ran the companies that you've worked with to recommend you and actually go a little deeper, that goes a long way because a recommendation is a warm introduction. Um, and a warm introduction is much better than a cold introduction. So having that recommendation and don't make it too flowery and, you know, over the top. You want it to, you know, be maybe two to 250 words. Talk about exactly what they helped you with, you know, a little bit of kudos, but not gushy praise. Um, and I think those two things are very helpful in helping some of these really busy, busy CEOs break through the clutter and be like, okay, I'm going to have a second conversation with that person. What are your favorite things that you've well, kind of seen? I think you hit them on the, on the nose. And so, you know, and uh, as you listen to this, um, as lawyers listen to this, they're wondering about, you know, the ethics of those kinds of recommendations and stuff like that. And, you know, just like in any um, communication, we get the client's approval, you know, before we before we show the experience and prove uh, what we can do. But once, and, and recommendations are great, uh, we don't really recommend that lawyers do endorsements or, or, you know, you can't really worry about accepting endorsements because they just show up. But the recommendations are great. You can, you can ask somebody for one or you can uh, talk it over with the client and see if they're willing to recommend you. Endorsements get a little risky because somebody can come back on us later yeah, and say we endorse them. But I think that uh, you are absolutely right on. And I think just, you know, I, I want to say that at Holland Heart, we have a great marketing and BD team. And if you're listening to this and you have questions about how to do your profile, we actually have people who can come sit down with you, work with you on it. Uh, but just a couple of other brief tips to build on what Abby said. They're going to go right to your profile. They're going to check you out. I and mean, just a couple of interesting things. You know, when you're when you're writing your headline, when you're, you know, when you're, you're writing that sort of sub paragraph under your name, that is where you're specific about your value add. You know, what industries do you work in? This is like, this is not, you know, just giving a title and expecting the reader to understand why that's valuable. If you're into cybersecurity, if you're into bank regulation, if you're, um, if you have a specific area of legal knowledge, particularly if you're trying to build into that area, then that's what you want to put that in your headline. Um, you want to talk about projects that you've done, and we can show you how to illustrate those. The typical lawyer bio tells people everything. You know, I know this. I can do this. I did that. Um, the LinkedIn bio should prove it. It should show, and just what you were saying, Abby, with recommendations, it should show what you've done. So any links to media, to articles, to court wins, any kind of links that prove that what you're saying is true is awesome. The other thing I would say, and Abby, uh, you are the consummate networker. I know this about you. I so do I want love you to... networking, Paul. It's my favorite hobby. <laughs> it is. So, so uh, build on this uh, because, you know, there's an interesting statistic that 68% of LinkedIn users use the platform to reconnect with past business associates. Say a little bit more about that and why that's so important. And then maybe you could just kind of take that right into Facebook, which yeah, is kind of the ultimately ultimate networking. 
And oh, I, the thing about LinkedIn is when I go on there and I actually have LinkedIn Sales Navigator plugged into mine in a premium membership so that I'm able to track the leads that I'm talking to. I'm able to see how excellent, we're connected. Excellent. Yeah, I definitely, that's I a that good too. suggestion, right? To think about upgrading your profile because then you're able to see who's peaking a little more in depth. And I find that really valuable for sure. When I'm trying to connect with someone, it's great to be able to see what connections we have in common. And that's going to give me an idea of who might be able to give me a warm introduction. And it is a great place for you to connect professionally with past colleagues and people that you've worked with because they're able to recommend you. You're able to pull them back into your network and then you're able to grow your network exponentially. A couple of things I'd like to say as we talk, be careful on LinkedIn about accepting everybody that connects with you though, because then you start to get, you know, hundreds and hundreds of connections and you'll start to get spammed from these connections that are trying to sell you things. And then you might stop paying attention to LinkedIn because you're inbox is full of stuff that doesn't make sense. So you want to be selective. And I know that you guys as a client services department of Holland and Hart are able to kind of help um, the attorneys that you guys work with setting some kind of key things in place so that you don't get spammed and that you can be selective about some of the requests that you get. Another thing that I love once you've kind of expanded your network, Paul, and connected with some of those old colleagues is posting some of the articles that you might have written for other places on LinkedIn Pulse. And the great thing about LinkedIn Pulse, right, is that we can do some targeted advertising around those articles. And we can then share those articles to different groups that have people in your network. They're members of those different groups. And then as we know, you get an email maybe once every three or four days of articles that have been posted to those groups and it goes to everybody in the group. So again, that's a way to maybe expand, show your expert knowledge outside of the connections that you already have and grow your database and your LinkedIn database with really quality connections that are going to work for you. Because we all know that attorneys are very busy people and they want to use their time effectively. And I think these are some good strategies with LinkedIn to do that. It's awesome, and I think is a good segue to talk about. And we have uh, in the firm a product called Clearview Social. And as you're listening to this, if you haven't been introduced uh, to this by your marketing manager, ask your marketing manager about it. So Clearview Social is basically a content aggregator. So it scans our blogs, our websites, and everything that we put out, and then it puts it into a queue. And then your marketing managers can build a queue for your LinkedIn share. And so if you if you sign up and work with us on this, and every week you'll get a list of all the interesting articles that your colleague lawyers have written in your field or in other fields, uh, say you're an energy lawyer or say you're a labor and employment lawyer, you'll see all the articles that we've written. You can then just by clicking a box pick the ones that you want to share and the software will automatically share it at the optimal times in LinkedIn. So it's a really simple way to keep your bio fresh. We build the queues. All you have to do is say, yep, I want that one, that one, that one. And then the software wow, does the that's rest. awesome. That sounds yeah. like a, that's a great service. It's a great way to kind of leverage all of the knowledge of the firm and kind of show it off. That's awesome. I know there's some apps out there too, like Buffer app that you can use to schedule Facebook and Twitter posts. Um, and they'll, again, do it at the optimal times depending on the shares that you get. So it seems like there's a good tool chest for um, some of these lawyers to really look into so that it's effective and they're using their time wisely. Yep. And one other thing about uh, LinkedIn, why you should get your profile completely filled out. So they have actually 
actually an algorithm, depending on how much effort you put in. LinkedIn has a beginner, an intermediate, an advanced, an expert, and an all-star. Abby's an all-star. You wouldn't expect Woo! anyone. I hope so, because <laughs> I'm a networker, Paul, on LinkedIn. So, so uh, here's interesting. The, the search algorithm on LinkedIn goes as follows. The number one factor in getting recognized in LinkedIn search, say somebody's looking for a particular kind of lawyer, somebody who's got expertise in technology licensing, or somebody who's done venture-backed transactions, number one search qualification for LinkedIn is your profile has to be complete. Back to what Abby was saying about uh, relationships and connections, and number two is connections in common. So the broader you build your network, the more likely somebody who wants to hire you is going to get touched. They're going to be a second degree separation or a third degree separation. They're going to find you. The number three is those connections by degrees that I just mentioned. So it starts with who you know, and then it works its way down. A lot of times I find that, you know, I'll find somebody and it'll say, you know, you're three degrees from this person. If you find this person, they might be able to provide an introduction and do that all day. And then the last one is very important is that's groups shared. So if you're a cybersecurity lawyer, join Join cybersecurity groups. If you're a government contracts lawyer, join government contracts groups. Get your name out there, get connected, and then um, when people in those groups are searching for your expertise, much more likely they're going to find you. Those are great tips, Paul. I just learned quite a bit about LinkedIn today. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, I learned a lot about Facebook. Anything more for our wonderful listeners in this in this inaugural broadcast of The Brief? A couple tips that I think about Facebook. So Facebook is kind of a personal site, right? You can have your business page, but I think a lot of us do use our personal pages for things. And I know there are a couple of, um, of the attorneys here um, in Reno that do a really good job of kind of showcasing who they are and their personality and the fact that they're involved in the community. So look at Facebook as your personal page as a chance do number one some suggestions don't really ever talk about politics on your personal Facebook page because or religion right because not all of your clients are going to have the same opinions as you so stay away from those two topics but people also like to do business with people as well not just products I like to say and Facebook gives you a chance to show that you're a person that you have hobbies that you support charitable events that you have knowledge in your industry and that you can engage in quality conversations so think of Facebook as a place where you can kind of extend your personality, but your personality that appeals to everybody. So you don't want to go one way or the other way, but kind of middle of the road. So talk about your family a little. I think it's great. People love to know that you have a family because most of us as clients do. Talk about your hobbies a little. Chances are we could both love to ski and that will give us a chance to have a meeting on the hill instead of maybe a meeting in the office. Or we both might love fine wine and good food, which is usually something that we all have in common. And, you know, we might have the same family favorite cocktail place and we can grab a drink there. So I think Facebook is a good place to show a little bit of your personality, a little less of your work personality, because we all connect with people in different ways. And if you have a strong LinkedIn profile, you're able to show your professional side. If you have a strong Twitter kind of outreach, you're able to engage and show that you understand the issues in a one-to-one conversation. And if you have a strong Facebook presence, then you're able to show that you're a nice guy, you're a real person, and you are kind of just the same as your clients. And I think that that's important as well. That is awesome. That is awesome. And I think I think that the interesting thing about digital communications, I mean, I, I don't think it's wrong. You know, some people want to sort of say, okay, Twitter and LinkedIn are my professional persona, and I'm going to reserve 
Facebook for family. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. If, if you're listening and that's been your strategy, we're not necessarily recommending that you change that strategy. 100%, yep. But if that hasn't been your strategy, and I think particularly for up-and-coming lawyers, you know, those lines are not as set as they are for others. So I think you, you should consider all the things that Abby said about, you know, maybe, you know, because part of networking is, you know, who you are outside of work and what are your common interests outside of work. So you may want to use Facebook. Certainly the, the people that I've worked with in Silicon Valley do. Yes. And that's not to say that it's apropos for everybody. But the other thing I would say, and I'm sure you feel this way, is that even though there's a little bit different part of who you are that might show up in these different venues, you still have to be authentic and consistent. If you if you like to go on rants on Facebook about certain political or what have you, or, you know, those kinds of things, just be aware that people will look at that at some point, and you don't, you can't really hide online. It's important that you have a consistent persona. Would you agree, Abs? A hundred percent. You want to be authentic and consistent. I think that on any network you're on, that's always important um, because you want to be the person that people are going to meet as well. So definitely. And I love your point about some of the younger lawyers. I understand that some of the people that have been doing this for 20, 30 years you know, a Facebook presence isn't something that works for them. But a lot of my startup clients do go and look at um, the people they're working with on Facebook as well as on LinkedIn and Twitter. And again, having a personality and a persona is going to make them like you a little bit more. And I think for some of those up-and-coming lawyers, like you said, Paul, it definitely is something that they should consider. So I think, um, I know next week we're going to get together and we're going to talk a little bit about how to position yourself as an expert, um, whether that's through blogging, through speaking engagements, through some internal communications right at the firm so some of the attorneys know what the other like expert like positions are or some of the other people there. And we're going to go into a little detail about that. That's absolutely right. And in the meantime, I've got to ask you one closing question. When is the beer festival and what is the most popular can of beer? Is it Pabst wow. Blue Ribbon? That's a, the, so the beer festival is going to be at the end of August this year at the Peppermore Resort. And our most popular, you know, Oscar Blues is always a winner. They're from Colorado, so I'm sure you yeah. know those guys. Yeah. yeah, they are always a crowd favorite. So we always look forward to seeing them every year and the new brews that they're going to be be providing. So um, I hope to see you out there this year, Paul. I'm going to save you some tickets. Yeah, send me tickets and an IV machine, and we'll just... There we go. I love it. We're all it good. In intravenously. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on The Brief. And Abby, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Paul. All right, have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.